Jason. Today's episode of the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast is brought to the good people by Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. Budget Blinds! Hey, Jason, did you know that Budget Blinds of Lee Summit is the home for signature series shades? All hail those robot shade overlords. You know, if you are ready to make your home a smart home, this is the place to go. And Jason, why don't you give us a couple of reasons why this is a good idea? Well, first of all, you get like a cool app and you can like fiddle with it from your phone. But honestly, in, a, in the bigger and more important things, it, you can well, program it get better than being able to do stuff from your phone. Well, look, as, as, a, as a guy who likes tech toys, that's all I really need. But, but for like real reasons that you can sell to say the wise and the people who already would make your home a smart home if you weren't in it like my wife and other people um, that you can program your shades to go up or down to give you security uh, so that they can be down at times when you want them down and you don't have to remember that. And they can give you some additional energy efficiency by helping keep your home warm or cool, depending on what you desire. So efficiency and safety, two big reasons why you would want signature series shades. I'm going to throw in one more reasons. Go for it. OCR friends at budget blinds. When you go in there, tell our good buddy, Courtney Stoddard, tell her happy birthday. Today, actually, today we're recording, yesterday is her birthday. So happy birthday to Courtney Stoddard. Go on down and see our friends at Budget Blinds of Lee Summit right in the heart of Lee Summit in downtown. Tell them Jason and Nick sent you. Jason, today's episode is also brought to us by Feed Lee Summit. Feed Lee Summit is sponsored by the Sunrise Rotary Club. This is the second annual event that benefits Lee Summit Social Services, One Good Meal, Meals on Wheels, and Cold Water of Lee Summit. They've got a big, big goal this year. It is, it is very, very ambitious, but I think this community can come together and get that and help them raise and I want you to say it with me. You could even do the Dr. Evil Pinky, $100,000. And that's a big needed $100,000, folks. This goes to help those four agencies help feed people in our community who need it, who need a little help. So this year, it's a virtual event. It's going to be November seventh or November 12th at 7 p.m. Head to feedls.org to register and get all of the details and help all these, all these agencies keep our community as great as it is. Hello again, and welcome to Lee Summit Town Hall, a weekly podcast about what you can do to make a difference. I'm Jason Norbury, and as always, I am joined by a man who has recently been enticed by the prospect of deformable LEDs. It is Nick right Park, idea. The publisher of Link to Lee Summit. It is a bright idea. It's a thing. And I'm going to get back to it here in just a second. So Link to Lee Summit is, of course, the source for all the news you need about this very fine city. And our unofficial sponsor today is related to our official or to, to Nick's description. It's my eye doctor who's got his work cut out for him. So I bought one of these new fancy deformable LEDs, which are basically a whole bunch of LED lights that you can screw into your light bulb socket and make for really bright like workshops and garages because the old man is having a hard time seeing in his garage when he's doing stuff in the garage these days. So Jason, I'm gonna, ask you, I'm gonna ask you a question, Jason. Uh -huh. Is it time that you admit defeat 
and go from readers to prescription glasses. I uh, look, I already bought uh, workshop <laughs> glasses. My safety glasses have the reader section in them. And I've been debating whether I'm just going to the full, the full Jason. The whole thing. Is it time to admit? Uh, no, it is <laughs> that not. You, I have... At your <clears throat> more advanced age than I. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, off camera sign language. <laughs> need to graduate from cheetah readers to prescription glasses. I refuse to admit that. I'm going to keep a little bit of denial for myself. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. I'm keeping a little bit of denial for my very own self. <sighs> Nick, well, there's, Jace, there's nothing happening, Nick. There is not. Hey, there's not a lot to see right now. There is not a lot to see. Not that I could see it if it were there because it's too dark. That was horrible, apparently. and I, I, um, I deduct 50 points from myself. Yeah, well, you should. What's the line from uh, Billy Madison? You were awarded no points, and we are all worse off for the experience. May God have mercy on your soul. It fits. Yeah. Uh, not a lot going on. We do have, kind of, we do have a nice uh, guest and interview uh, coming up in, in just a few minutes. Jason, can I tell you how wonderful it is that in the middle of this giant election season, there's really nothing local for us to be talking about. There's a few things at the state level, but you and I focus on our backyard, and I'm grateful that, that there is nothing for us right now. Well, by this you mean you're not letting me collect all of the horrible, horrible mailers running out on both sides and bringing them on to talk about? Is that what you're saying? Pretty much. Okay, fair. Pretty fair, much. Really, that's like the only thing to do is like spectator sport on horrible political mailers. Well, and, 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 and I got to tell you, between the, the COVID fatigue, the cabin fever fatigue, and election fatigue, I'm tired, and I'm glad that we don't have to hone in on a bunch of, on a bunch of local election stuff even though you and i really live for it and as soon as we it do, happens again we we're gonna be but, excited uh, over and above even that like there isn't a lot really exciting going on with city council board of education's meetings are gratefully boring um and we mean that in the nicest way possible because boring at right now in the middle of like the hybrid schooling and the pandemic and all that boring board of ed is good boring board <laughs> of ed. <laughs> exactly just a couple quick notes one because I want to make sure that we give equal love, Jason. Everybody needs to go to our friends over at Budget Blinds and go tell Taylor Stoddard happy birthday. You should do that. And, and look, make sure what you're saying is we're not trying to stir up a sibling rivalry here because you can't tell Courtney happy birthday because it's not her birthday. But if you make a point to come and you tell Taylor happy birthday, I'm sure we will hear about it from at least one of the family Stoddard. There we go. And then I'm going to refer back to the ad again. You guys probably just heard our ad about the Feedly Summit event coming up on November 12th. It's a virtual event, but it's still a big deal. This is an event that's going to help four of our local charities, Meals on Wheels, One Good Meal, Cold Water Flea Summit, and Lee Summit Social Services. Look, they're going to need some cash in the coming months. This is a great way for the community to step up and help all of them. So head on over to feedls.org when you get a chance and register to virtually attend the Feedly Summit event hold on, on, hold on November hold on. 12th. We're going to talk a little, we got to come back to one of those supported organizations and more specifically their executive director. I heard a rumor that you failed to muzzle Matt. I did. I did. You, are you saying you didn't listen? I'm saying, I, well, <laughs> look, we got to get our intro in somewhere. We're going to go with it. That's what I'm going to go with here. You failed 
Last Friday, I had a nice conversation with Matt Sanning, the executive director of Lee Summit Social Services, about what social services does and then how the upcoming Feedly Summit event is going to help them. It was a nice little preview. This week, I'm going to be talking to Monica from Coldwater of Lee Summit about the services that they provide the community and how, how the Feedly Summit event can help them. Look, I don't, you can try to glaze this over with a pretty, pretty icing of I'm doing this for like all of the various and sundry sponsor or sponsored uh, organizations. They all do great work and all that. And all of that is true. And we can even say, look, Matt Sanding works his butt off to do this great stuff for the community, but you still let him on the air. I disappointed you. Yeah, I am. I'm saddened and I'm saddened. <laughs> and Matt, I'm just going to say this. No more. No more, man. No more. You can't come back. <laughs> Jason, we've got a good guest this week. It's actually somebody we've been trying to get on for a while and kind of been looking for the right reason, the right catalyst. Um, we have Chief Travis Forbes from the Lee Summit Police Department coming on to join us. And we're going to talk about a neat new program that the Absolutely. police department is we launching. We did not personally have to commit any crimes to get the attention of the chief of police this time. So, Although Jason offered. I did. I did. And, uh, but I, he said, no, that that was actually a bad thing for us to do. And he was willing to come on. So we're going to have him on to talk about a, uh, a new pilot program that they are dealing with their mental health co-responder program. Pretty exciting stuff. Um, and I think it's a, I would say very timely and topical as well. Um, but gratefully the, the chief made some time for us on his busy schedule to, uh, to come out and have a chat. We are here with Chief Travis Forbes of the Lee's Summit Police Department. Chief, how are you today? Good. How are you? We're good. We had a, this is one of these times of the year. You'd be thinking a show that covers like local politics and stuff and have a lot to talk about during the October, right before a big election. But as it turns out, we don't. And you were so kind as to provide us with uh, some interesting news. Um, the, you've gotten some CARES Act funding to do a pilot for what is called a mental health co-responder program. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's a, a program, you know, policing has kind of changed quite a bit since I even started, uh, which is longer ago than we like to really uh, let everybody know. But we've become so involved in social issues outside of what they used to call order maintenance. They teach this in criminal justice schools that uh, you know, decades and decades ago, it was really just about enforcing laws and taking people to jail and that sort of thing. But so many societal issues have popped up that uh, really arrest is not the right way to go in order to solve uh, issues that occur in society. There are much better paths to take to help a person out. And the mental health co-responder is really a good example of that. Essentially, it's uh, a behavioral health specialist, a professional who is essentially embedded in the police department to respond to calls for service that involve individuals who are in mental health crisis. And so what occurs is once the scene is safe, it's kind of like with the fire department, we go in and we make sure the scene is safe and nobody can get hurt. And then we call them in. Uh, they can hook up that person with uh, services or a plan to get services immediately. And uh, they also, on the back end, will follow up to make sure that that person got the services that they needed, or they may have a different plan that they work on. So they just continually try to help the person, A, through the crisis, 
and B, kind of unwind what caused the crisis to occur in the first place. So hopefully the result is a better path for the individual and uh, not such a need for police intervention in the future. Let me, uh, let me ask real quick, just to clarify, you had said it, this, this, this person is basically embedded with the, um, with the police department. So are they arriving on scene then with, with the call? Uh, like when the officers first get there, is that, is that, am I reading that correctly? Yes, they can. There's a couple of different ways. Obviously it can occur. They can arrive on scene with the officers if they hear the call dispatch. Uh, we also uh, will probably get to a point where officers will request the co-responder to come. Once they get a greater comfort level of having this resource available to them, I think our patrol officers will become quite uh, adept at recognizing when it's needed and getting the uh, co-responder there. So the co-responder actually doesn't work for the police department. They're actually with Rediscover, our regional mental health partner, and we are kind of uh, working together, coordinating uh, this plan to make it work. And so far, it's, it's been great. Even just two weeks in, we're seeing some great impacts. So, Chief, you, you mentioned when you were talking about that how the, the role of the police department has really sort of expanded in how they, how they, what they have to deal with and, and the tools that they have to bring to bar. So, and I know some of those, obviously, we're talking about mental health is one. Uh, drug addiction is probably another one, I think, that's out there. Can you, can you like expand on that again and like how that has changed and, and what that impact has on our patrol officers? You bet. I mean, it's, there's just a number of things that really uh, are, I call them gaps in society that have kind of fallen to the police to become more involved in. It can be something from broken homes to addiction to mental health issues like we've discussed. Uh, and, and the police department, we have kind of, I call it, expanded our toolbox so we've got new wrenches or you know uh, new screwdrivers or whatever to help address these issues so it started back in 1999 with the crisis intervention team program in the police department where we started training officers on how to better respond to individuals in mental health crisis and uh, that's been very successful again we've partnered with rediscover and nami and other organizations to make that a success but uh, another example is just a couple of years ago, uh, we started the Safe Passage program where individuals who are suffering from addiction or uh, substance misuse can contact the police department. If they have narcotics, they can turn them over and they won't be charged and we will get them uh, addiction services immediately. So that's another example of you know, where we've tried to fill a gap and instead of arresting people for drug use uh, all the time, we're getting them help to unwind the issue that caused the underlying uh, problem. And so the mental health care responder is just another step in that direction. So in a, in a way, this is, uh, you know, obviously there are limits to what a, a police officer can do is in comparison to a trained mental health professional. Um, so have, uh, I mean, I'm assuming there are other areas like this throughout the course, and you don't have to elucidate on where those are, where, you know, you can only train a police officer so far to handle these sorts of things. So this is an opportunity then for, for the police officers to get like additional help that's specific to that, that they can really recognize the need and then find an outside resource for that need. Is that right? That's correct, Jason. So obviously the outreach clinical specialist we have on loan from Rediscover for this uh, purpose, she's much more knowledgeable 
and the services that are available and helping individuals in crisis than our police officers. That's what his background and education is in. Uh, ours is a little bit different. You know, ours is more of a criminal justice slant, obviously. So marrying those two together really works well. It works great. If you just take one piece away, for example, if you take the police out of the equation, you know, that person uh, could be putting themselves in danger responding to an individual who's at a crisis point. So we play a good role in, in uh, you know, making sure the situation's safe and they can take it from there. Uh, another side benefit that we've learned too, because we've talked to other agencies who have this program, it's not just us, Johnson County, Kansas has a great mental health co-responder program that they've had in place for several years. And they tell us that their officers tend to learn from their partners, at, uh, their mental health partners, how to better approach situations and diffuse situations and things of that nature. So there's all kinds of side benefits to this that we're really excited about too. I would imagine this takes a little bit of a, a load off, kind of alleviates some pressure from, from the officers when they hit these scenes. Uh, you know, you talked about the expanding toolbox and, and I'm going to guess chief that, you know, you've been doing the job for a long time, but being a police officer now is, is different than maybe when you were first, first starting your career, your career. So do you think we're going to see more kind of partnerships like this to, to help take some of that pressure off? I think so, Nick. I think, you know, years ago, the frustration that you would have, and we still see it today, is getting a call for service and really not finding a good resolution to it and kind of knowing that we're going to put a Band-Aid on the situation, but the odds of us as police officers being called back to this location for the same issue were substantially high in many cases. And that's very frustrating for officers. Uh, because, you know, we, we like to be proactive and be out in the community interacting with citizens and trying to improve safety and prevent crime. And when we get called to these situations and scenarios that just don't have a good resolution, it's really tough. So having an expanded toolbox, again, uh, really allows us to address issues more completely. And uh, uh, so at least a better efficiency, but also a better service to our residents, too, to our citizens who uh, live here, you know, everybody can encounter crisis at some point in their life. So knowing that this resource is available, I think it's, it's great for the city. How common are calls like this in, 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 in our community? I mean, I guess if you're, if you're to take a look at the data and the statistics and the number of calls and things that you get it, you know, what, where do you put this in, in the type of calls that you respond to? It's very common. You know, the statistics are kind of all over the board. There's been several studies. I've seen some that estimate about 30% of calls involve some sort of mental health crisis, uh, which is you know pretty significant when we're talking about the number of calls a year that we receive. So it's a pretty common that this is an element of a call for service that we encounter probably every night very easily, if not multiple times. So uh, let me let's ask a little question. So obviously, in in the last eight months, the world has shifted a lot, not only because of the pandemic, but uh, I, I think there's been a broader cultural question about the role of the police in our, in our society and what have you. And, and we don't have to get into all the details, but how has, since the beginning of the pandemic, uh, your work changed or what are you guys seeing day-to-day um, -day here in the summit in, in how you're doing your work, what kinds of calls you're getting or, or those sorts of things? Are you seeing any differences? You know, I think uh, the pandemic has caused a few issues for us uh, in calls for service. We 
you know, seen an uptick in uh, mental health crisis, which led to this position. Uh, we, we were talking about this way before then, but obviously COVID-19 exacerbated the problem even further. We've seen uh, an uptick slightly in domestic violence type cases and things of that nature. In other cases, uh, we've seen a decrease in car crashes and things of that nature because people aren't traveling as much or getting out there as much. So it's kind of interesting to see how this has really uh, changed things uh, in the summer. I'm just going to tell you, Chief, um, I, I drove my car for the first time in seven months the other day. So... <laughs> So that's good that you got some sunlight. <laughs> now, luckily, I didn't need it very often, right? So, but yeah, I think I think I think you're exactly right that 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 there just isn't as much activity out and about. So, hopefully, that's a good thing for you guys. Yes, yes, I think so. And yeah. so, and this um, this pilot program that you're doing now comes from some CARES Act funding, correct? Correct. All right. So, but I'm assuming. Uh, uh, assuming we see some very successful results and it sounds like you're at least optimistic. Is this something that we're hoping to push forward into 2021 or beyond or what, are, what do we need it to is, do that? It is. And the CARES Act provides, it's, CARES Act is always meant to be uh, temporary funding. So it's not a permanent source, but we've worked with the Mid-America Regional Council and actually our Eastern Jackson County government partners in Bruce Springs and Independence. We've been working on this for about two years looking for a funding source for a co-responder and rediscover and uh, comprehensive mental health have been very helpful in that endeavor too. But we just recently received news that we may have a grant secured from the federal government to extend this program, perhaps even another year. So we're very excited about that. Uh, Mid-America Regional Council and Lauren Palmer were very instrumental in helping us apply for this grant as a region instead of just a city. And uh, so hopefully we'll be able to have this program, not just in Lee Summit, but in Blue Springs and Independence for a while. Well, that, that kind of made me want to ask. So, so are we seeing right now at Blue Springs, and you mentioned, I think, a, a, another district over in, on the Kansas side. Are, are they instituting these right now, too, the same program or, or similar program, I guess? Yes. Uh, Blue Springs and Independence are pretty much in their infancy, just like us, just getting programs started. Johnson County has a pretty mature program. I believe they have 10 mental health co-responders in Johnson County, Kansas, that they share amongst the, the cities over there. So we've learned a lot of lessons from uh, what they've been through, and they've experienced a, a great amount of success. I talked to a lot of the chiefs over there, and they really love their co-responders and want to make sure to keep those uh, that program too. Can you give us uh, an example, maybe, uh, of what you've learned from talking to the people over in Johnson County that have done this for 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 a little while? Of, of maybe, I guess, maybe a success story that gives you a little bit of confidence knowing this is a, this is a good move. Yeah, I think there's tons of success stories of situations that again officers would go to again and again. And really, uh, they, they would refer people to mental health services, but often it was incumbent upon that individual to take them up on it at, at a later time. And, you know, days go by and they, they worry about money for counselors and, and things like that. So they never make an appointment. Whereas that co-responder, they respond immediately and they say, well, let's get you hooked up right now. You know, let's get you into some services right now. And then again, they follow up too. So they've told me about multiple success stories of cases where their officers spent so much time responding to the same house, to the same issue over and over again, and the person wasn't getting any help, honestly. 
and the co-responder took them on a different path and resolved the issue. So the officers no longer have to respond and the person is getting the help that they need. So it's just a perfect setup. That is literally a win-win. Yeah, 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 I agree. Well, Chief, um, is there anything else we need to know um, about your program? That, that sounds very exciting, and I think it's just the kind of thing that uh, we're hoping to see, I think, in a broader, a broader spectrum, um, you know, both in, our, both in the metro and, and, uh, and across the country. Is there anything else we need to know about it? i just say I'm very thankful for the support. Uh, we put it on social media. We've gotten very positive response from our citizens. Our elected officials have been very supportive of this, too. City Manager uh, Arbo. Uh, he's the one who really said, hey, you know, I, with the rise in the crisis is happening in Lee Summit, CARES Act funding would be very much appropriate for this. What do you think? Uh, honestly, at the beginning, I was like, I don't know. It takes a lot of work to get it up and running, and we only have three months or so to do it. But uh, we got it done. And uh, so the help from everybody in the community, from Rediscover to our elected officials to our citizens, has just been fantastic. And, I'm just, I'm getting accustomed to it here in Lee Summit. We have such a great community that's very supportive and uh, they, they recognize uh, when we're going in the right direction and help us get there. So it's just a great place to live and work. And so I'm just very supportive of uh, Lee Summit as a whole. All right, Chief. Well, thank you uh, for taking time to talk with us. Uh, I really, really do appreciate it. And this, I'm very excited to hear. I hope this says success. You can continue it next year and maybe we can get you back on in a year or so with uh, some some data and some success stories about how, how this has made a difference in the community. And maybe celebrate a new grant to keep it going. Yeah. That sounds great. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks Chief. Chief.